What's good, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Amitelaka TIS podcast with your host, yours truly, Josh Shields, here on this weekend of Saturday, May, uh, excuse me, June the 26th, the year 2021. Uh, happy 53rd birthday to my beloved uncle, Uncle Guy. He turns uh, 53 today, along with the great Shannon Sharp. He and him share a birthday and are the same age. He turns 53 today as well. Derek Jeter, it's his birthday as well. Michael Vick, his birthday as well in the sports world. Rudy Gobert, uh, of course, the player for the uh, Utah Jazz, it's his birthday as well, along with and if along with Ariana uh, Grande, and if you grew up in the 2000s, 2010s and watched Nickelodeon, it is Jeanette McCurdy, a.k.a. Uh, Sam Puckett's birthday uh, as well here on this June the 26th, the year 2021. I got jam-packed show here for you, uh, all NBA, and this time we'll get into a little bit of baseball, and no, I'm not talking about the Baltimore Orioles. We'll give some other teams outside of the Baltimore Orioles some detention, uh, a detention some attention um as far as my commentary is concerned and and talk a little bit of baseball because these shows have been so heavily uh nba and nba playoff dominated uh the last a month or so so i i have not forgotten that baseball is in season so i will i will talk some major league baseball with you all here on this show but where we begin is re is uh recapping game three of the uh, of the Western Conference Finals and looking ahead to Game Four tonight between the Phoenix Suns and the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, game Three is simply simply put, Game Three was not the was not the Phoenix Suns' night. And you know, there's no shame and there's no shame in saying that. And in the moment, if you're a Phoenix Suns fan, you can't be. I mean, you can be you can be pissed off and you can be annoyed because of the fact that you know it's the playoffs and you want to you know win every game and you don't want to give a team like the Clippers, who in their previous two playoff series have come down three uh, down two zero, so you don't want to give them a glimmer of hope. So I get that and I understand all that. But in the moment on Thursday night, heading into Friday morning, you. You can't be as a as a uh, Phoenix Suns fan. You couldn't be uh, over the top pissed off or annoyed at the fact that your team, uh, you know, played competitive basketball up until the fourth quarter. They did the best they go- they could, uh, making the Clippers and Paul George and company sweat it out and work and earn and work for every. Uh, work for every basket and every and vitalize every possession that they had and make them work on defense. So you didn't throw in the towel. You didn't was like, oh, well, it's not a night throwing the towel and give up. We'll see you on Saturday for game four. So I give them credit that for three out of the four quarters, Phoenix showed some grit and showed some fight and kept themselves in the game as best they could. But there was, but there's, there's no shame in saying it and admitting it. If you're a Phoenix Suns fan and also you, if you just being obvious about it and just, having a sense and having a clue it wasn't the Phoenix Suns' night on Thursday night uh Devin Booker got Devin Booker got into foul got into foul trouble he was pathetic absolutely pathetic from the field 5 of 21 from the field his three ball was not was not going in could not shoot the ball off a boat into the uh in into the uh into the ocean into the ocean beachside of uh, Huntington Beach out there in California was one of seven from three uh, had 15 points, turned over the f- basketball four times, and was in foul trouble. Picked up five fouls in a game. 
uh, late in the fourth quarter uh, or mid late fourth quarter and nearly fouled out. So it was just, it was not his night under any circumstances. Turned over the basketball a ton. Jump shots wasn't flowing when shots and the ball wasn't going in. Uh, and he and he got into foul trouble early. So and is and you know Devin Booker's allowed allowed an off night. You know he's a young talent and he's played absolutely out of his mind and has played his ass off uh, throughout the entire postseason so far uh, up until this point. But you know he he just didn't have it. It's just other and and no disrespect to him and I am a Devin Booker fan. And I am absolutely loving the job that he's done so far. Uh, so far in the in the playoffs, so far for Phoenix, but that should put to but that should put to bed the uh, argument or the comparison <clears throat> uh, comparison <clears throat> Stephen A. Smith that uh, Devin Booker is the next Kobe Bryant. Watch your mouth and don't you dare and think twice before you utter such blasphemy. You know, no disrespect to Devin Booker, but he's got to do a hell of a lot more. Uh, and, and he's still very early in his NBA career, too, to be fair. But he's got to do a hell of a lot more in his NBA career to be even mentioned in the same sentence as uh, the late, great Kobe Bryant. God bless he and his daughter Gianna's wonderful wonderful souls. But but his performance on Thursday night was absolutely abysmal. And that should put to bed and put an end to the uh, Devin Booker-Kobe Bryant uh, comparisons. Uh, Jay Crowder, you know, who had a wonderful in, inbound pass to to uh, to uh, to uh, Aiton to seal off Game Two the other night, was not was uh, was I uh, in Game in Game Three, three of seven from the field, nine points. Uh, Miles Bridges had third, or excuse me, Michael Bridges had thirteen points. Uh, Deion uh, Aiton uh, um, had uh, eighteen points, nine of thirteen from the field. Chris Paul, who just just getting his legs under him. So and he, I'm gonna give him a break too. Chris Paul just getting his legs under him. Uh, five of nineteen from the field was two of seven from three. Scored uh, fifteen points a game. You give him a pass because of the fact that he hadn't played. He hadn't played basketball and participated in the game for about a week and a half. And you know when you're sequestered in one room with the COVID protocols because you're in quarantine. You know you can be a little bit out of rhythm. Not to mention it was a road game and. You know, you just throwing them right there into the fire, right from the word go. So you you give them the benefit of the doubt, and you give them a break, um, which I do. Everyone else should too. I mean, Chris Paul, who's been who's had a phenomenal series against Denver, especially the last uh, two three games of that series. You know, the and then on top of the fact that Phoenix had the long break because they swept Denver, and then you factor in, the, and then you also factor in that he was dealing with the COVID protocols. You give Chris Paul a break, getting his legs underneath him, and the fact that he was out of sorts and out of rhythm, having not played in such a long time. Um, but you so, but at the same time, you also got to give the LA Clippers tremendous credit. For playing a hell of a basketball game, uh, Reggie Jackson, who's had a phenomenal postseason of uh, the last uh, the last uh, couple of games or so, last few games or so, nine of nineteen from the field had twenty three points. 
um, 23 points. Uh, and then, of course, Paul George, who has really done the heavy lifting for the better part of this Clipper run uh, since Kawhi Leonard has been out uh, towards the back end of the Utah series, was uh, did not shoot great from the field, 9 of 26, not anything to write home about, 3 of 11, absolutely atrocious from behind the arc, but he did have uh, 15 rebounds, uh, 8 assists, and 27 points, and his team ended up in a win column, which is most important. Um, and of course, uh, Terrence Mann shot phenomenally, uh, six, uh, shot absolutely phenomenal, 6 of 8 from the field, uh, 12 points. Uh, then, of course, you had coming off the bench, uh, Batum and Marcus Morris coming off the bench and combined going 4, four of 7 from the field and combining for 12 points. Uh, so and if and Zubak their center three of three of eight from the field, uh, three of eight from the field and fifteen points. So you give the Clippers credit. Um, they've played well throughout this. They've you know unlike the Clipper teams from the past, they know how to play this postseason from uh, from uh, with a with a deficit. Uh, of course, being down 2-0 in the first round of Dallas, down 2-0 to Utah. Now they're down here 2-0 to Phoenix. Let's see if they can. Uh, tie the series up at two games apiece on Saturday night. But as but recapping this game before we look forward to Saturday night's game, then take a break and then get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, but you got to give the Clippers tremendous credit. Uh, they made life uncomfortable for the Suns. They made life uncomfortable for Devin Booker. Got him out of whack, out of whack, and out of sorts. Not to mention Devin Booker was playing with that mask on. Uh, so his vision and his vision and his qual and the quality of play. Uh, yeah, as far as his quality of play out when he was out there on the court was uh, diminished because of the fact that he had that mask on, which when you sweat it fogs up. Uh, so so it makes it hard to see. Not to mention it kind of shuts off your peripheral vision because it because you kind of can't see out of the uh, out of the corners of your eyes. So it forces you to be more tunnel visioned when you when you play with it on. But give the Clippers credit. They made life uncomfortable for Chris Paul, and they made life uncomfortable for Devin Booker, and they got Devin Booker in foul trouble early, and they made Devin Booker to make a lot of mistakes turning over the basketball uh, four times in the game on Thursday night. So when you make Chris Paul and Devin Booker uncomfortable, you're going you're going to win a lot of basketball games. Uh, you're going to win a lot of basketball games, and they are going to do a large part in helping you by playing poorly. Um, let's see if they can keep it up to let's see if they can keep it up heading into game four. You wouldn't expect you. I mean, you'd expect win or lose uh, with the Clippers. You wouldn't expect the Suns to play as badly of a game, especially Paul and uh, Booker, as they did on Thursday night. You know, they were due for an off night. They were riding a nine game winning streak heading into heading into uh, get heading into game three. Hadn't lost the game uh, dating back to the Clippers series on May the 27th. They nearly went a whole month without losing a game. Uh, we're playing we're on an absolutely phenomenal hot streak. You, they were due. They were due to lose a game, and you know, and the chances of them, even if they do end up winning this series, you would figure the chances of them getting to an NBA Finals uh, undefeated, have, not have, and going a whole month and a half without losing a game. Uh, would have been a tough ask and would have been uh and would have been uh you know hard to come by but take that into the equation heading into game four tonight you would figure like I said that Booker and Chris Paul would not be as horrendous as they were on Thursday you'd expect uh you'd expect Chris Paul to get into a little bit of a flow especially early and often in the game uh, on Saturday night tonight 
Uh, you'd figure Chris Paul's going to shoot a lot better from the field. Uh, when he takes his three-point shots, he's going to hit them. That uh, Devin Booker isn't going to turn over the basketball all over the place and be putrid from three as well. You know, he's not. I, I would be absolutely floored if he goes one of seven from the field tonight. Uh, and shoots five of twenty-one overall. You know, the, those those two guys are two great basketball players in their own right. For them to go back-to-back playoff games on the road and shoot poorly. So even if the Suns lose, you wouldn't expect you wouldn't expect uh, it be because Chris Paul and Devin Booker had a repeat future performance uh, of Game Three. So you wouldn't expect that. And but also to, at the same time, the pressure is on Phoenix. It's on Phoenix now. No, we're not, I shouldn't even say on Phoenix. It's on the Clippers to tie up this series because no one expects uh, no one expects that if the Clippers lose tonight and this series goes, I believe it, go, it would go back to Phoenix. If the Clippers lose tonight, uh, while they have, uh, while for the first time in about about a month, where uh, where Phoenix's backs are against the wall for the first time, you know, in a month since the Lakers series when the Lakers went up two one on them. First time their backs are against the wall in the Clippers, you know, in a home in a home game, uh, their second ever home conference finals game in franchise history. If they allow Phoenix to win tonight and take a three one series lead, I think the series would go back to. I'm not positive, but I think the series would go back to Phoenix for Game Five. But if they allow Phoenix to go back to go back to Phoenix for Game Five, up three one, the the Clippers are finished. I'm sorry. That that they the Phoenix has played too well on has played too well at home this postseason and has been on too much of a high streak and has enough momentum riding in their direction as it is for them to, for for the clip for me to believe the Clippers can go into Phoenix against that raucous, rowdy, rambunctious, and energetic crowd. Uh, in uh, I believe what do they play? I believe they play in um yeah in Phoenix. What am I thinking? In Phoenix. Um, for me to believe that they can go into that arena in Phoenix and and come back from a three one series deficit. Now, granted, I know Ty Lue did it with the did it when he was a head coach of the of the Cavaliers, but this is a totally different animal. He's on a different team, different circumstances, and different and different stakes are are here to uh, are here uh, at the at the at the um at the helm here. So the Phoenix Suns they have to they have to uh, not let and give the Clippers any uh, glimmer of hope to tie this series up at two games apiece and make this a series and make this a deep competitive series. You got to essentially you got to essentially, you know, throw game 3 out the throw game 3 out the window. Take a take a deep breath, regroup and just count on the fact that Chris Paul and Devin Booker aren't going to have a repeat performance of how they of uh, of how they played on Thursday night. So Phoenix has got to, got to cash in here game 4 on Saturday night. Meanwhile, you the Clippers, you have you you are at the brink of having the Phoenix Suns uh, have to face some adversity for the first time in a month since the first round. You do it and you take care of it at home. You cannot, in any circumstances, allow them to, to essentially, you know, throw game three into the trash can, regroup, and all of a sudden, you know, the Phoenix Suns from games one and two show up, and all of a sudden you're on a plane ride. You're on a plane ride back to Phoenix for back to Phoenix for game five, looking at a, looking at elimination, having to stomach the Phoenix Suns winning a conference championship on their home floor. So. 
Phoenix has to get it done tonight. You're allowed, they were allowed the one bad game and the one off night, which was Thursday night. But they got to come out and they got to play hungry. They got to play aggressive. Devin Booker has to make his jump. Has to has to be clicking on all cylinders from three. Uh, Chris Paul has to make his jump shots too. His mid his mid range uh, especially, which is which was and has been lethal for them throughout the entire postseason, especially against Denver. They got to play their they got to play their game and they got to play their good and solid brand of Phoenix Suns basketball that has gotten them to this point. They're allowed the down night where they play like crap where you look at the box scores and you say to yourself, "Oi, they and you essentially one of those situations where you throw the game film in the trash and say, "You know what? We're a better team than this." You know, this is one of those things where, you know, any given night, who knows what happens. And and that was that night where we played like crap, throw it away, and it's on to the next one. They got that they got that bad loss out the way. Can't afford to have even if even if the series ended up, ends up going seven and they lose, they cannot afford to have another bad game. They Devin Booker, Chris Paul especially, which I don't anticipate them to. But that should be the one lone bad lousy game that those two have in this series, uh, and then and they all got it and it was over and done with. Throw it in the garbage can. It's on to game four. Again, even if they even if they lose game four, even if they take them to seven and they lose the seventh game, whatever it might be, you cannot under any circumstances perform any worse and perform the exact same way you did on Thursday night. You got your bad game and your putrid game, your trash can game out the way. Chris Paul, give him a break coming out of COVID protocol, not to mention that the Suns had that long layoff and had those all those many days, had a week off um, because of the fact that they swept Denver. And Devin Booker, who's played out of his mind this postseason, you know, had his first bad game in about God knows how long. Fine. But you got to show up in game four. And from a Clippers standpoint, you got to strike while the iron is hot. You have a chance to come back once again from 0-2 down to tie the series up at two games apiece as this series head backs the, heads back to Phoenix for game five on Monday night. And you have a chance to, you know, make Phoenix think a little long and hard on that on that plane ride back to Phoenix and have them face uh, and have them face a little bit of adversity, something that they haven't faced um, since essentially the uh, the Lakers series and they were down two one. You have a chance to do that now if you're if you are the Los Angeles Clippers and 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 uh, Paul George has to show up. Reggie Jackson whole nine. They got to carry the weight. No Kawhi Leonard tonight. We probably might not even see him for the rest of the series. They got to step up and they got to show some gumption and tie the series up at two games apiece. That's where you stand in the Western Conference Finals. We'll get to the Eastern Conference Finals. This is the Amateur Liga TIS Podcast. Just getting started. Back after this.
Welcome back to the Amatelica TIS podcast. Switching gears now from the Eastern Conference to the Western Conference Finals uh, between the Atlanta Hawks and the Milwaukee Bucks. And after the Atlanta Hawks took game one and took care of business on Wednesday night in game one, the Milwaukee Bucks came right back out there and punched the Atlanta Hawks square in the mouth in game two on Friday night, tying the series up at a game apiece. Uh, and I mean, it's just an absolutely complete, complete and utter bloodbath. Uh, Drew Holiday and Giannis Antetokounmpo combined for four, combined for forty-seven points. Uh, Middleton and Brooke Lopez combined for thir- combined for thirty-one points offensively. Uh, it was just an absolutely phenomenal night. Outside of P.J. Tucker, who only took one jump shot and one lousy point on a free throw, um, it was a pretty productive night for the for the four out of the five of the starting five for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, just an absolutely phenomenal night. Giannis shot the ball excellently well, uh, 11 of 18, uh, 3 of 4 from the free throw line, had nine rebounds, six assists, two steals in the game. Uh, Chris Middleton shot uh, six of 13 from the field. Uh, seven rebounds, eight assists, 15 points, like I already stated, in a steal. Uh, Brooke Lopez, six of eight from the field, absolutely tremendous, and three of five from three, 16 points. Holiday, nine of 14 from the field, three of four from three, 22 points um, as well. Just an absolutely phenomenal and efficient offensive night on the part of the, on the, part of the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, as a team, they shot 52% from the field. Just an absolutely phenomenal shooting night. Uh, as for for Milwaukee on Friday in Game Two, as this series will head to Atlanta for Game Three on su- on Sunday, uh, and then you go to the Atlanta Hawks, where it's just absolutely pathetic and putrid night offensively for them. The exact opposite as a team, they shot forty one percent from from the field and twenty five percent from three, only making nine jump shots from three out of their thirty six out of their thirty six attempts. Um, the only guys that scored double digits for Atlanta on Friday night were Gallinari, uh, Collins, and Trey Young. Uh, Collins had 11, Trey Young had 15 points, and Gallinari scored 12. Everyone else was in the single digits. Uh, Clint Capella scored two points on one of five for shooting. Uh, three of six, Bogdan Janovic. Uh, had eight points, shooting three of six, and Kevin Hooter, who had that phenomenal night uh, in the closeout game in Game Seven on the road at Philadelphia against the Seventy Sixers, to send them good night. Uh, he shot three of ten, only shot three of ten from the field, two of five from three, and a whole eight points uh, and three turnovers. As that uh, one, that one game uh, performance uh, and his. Uh, Little fifteen minutes of fame there, and his uh, high on cloud nine was short lived, as he turned around in game two and absolutely wetted the bed and had a uh, disgraceful performance uh, and did not help his uh, Atlanta Hawks' chances of taking a two zero series lead uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, and you would think that it was going to be a fairly decent game because at the end of the first, because at the end of the 
first first quarter the 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 first quarter score uh, was thirty four was thirty four twenty eight Milwaukee and Atlanta was only down by six points heading into the second quarter and then lo and behold you you know if you bounced around checked out the Yankee Red Sox game on MLB Network or were doing other things you check back by halftime and the halftime score is seventy seven forty five Milwaukee Milwaukee up by uh, Milwaukee up by thirty two points at halftime seventy seven to seventy seven forty five at halftime up thir- up thirty two points after Atlanta was only down a minimal six points that's two you know a two a two possession game theoretically uh at the end of the first quarter but Milwaukee put their foot on the gas and did not look back had a had a forty three point second quarter uh combined for forty combined for forty eight points in the second half uh, outscoring uh, outscoring Atlanta in the first quarter of course 34 28 in the second quarter 43 to 17 which is what really did Atlanta in I mean the game was over by halftime folks I mean you could have you could have shut the game off and not turned back till inside the NBA came on at about 11 o'clock 11 30 uh for you to you know that game was over by halftime and outscored Atlanta in the third quarter 26 18 um and of course the game was over and of course the game was over fourth quarter you know the game was already decided nobody cares um but just an absolutely phenomenal job by the bucks and Giannis, you know did a phenomenal job they made again Trey Young like Devin Booker for the Suns on uh f- on Thursday night in their series Trey Young who's played absolutely out of his mind throughout this entire postseason and had a phenomenal series against Philadelphia and a phenomenal series against the Knicks due for an off night and due for a bad night and he certainly did have one did not shoot excellent from the field only shot um 37% from the field was one of eight that's uh you do the math that's uh 12% from three uh, and thirty-seven percent from the field was altogether not an absolutely uh, not a night to write home about under any circumstances. Had fifteen points, turned over the basketball nine times, which is absolutely just. I mean, he he and Devin Booker were just absolutely pathetic, for lack of a better word, and and were not good under any 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 circumstances. But considering the fact that Booker and Trey Young, both two bright and phenomenal young stars in the NBA at the at the guard position, have had phenomenal postseasons, and you know. Every now and every now and again, you're gonna have a bad night where the ball, for for whatever the reason, is going isn't going into the hoop like it has and like it was in their previous games in their previous performances. And you know you're gonna turn over the basketball a ton. Devin Booker did a ton, uh, and did a ton in Game Three against the Clippers, and Trey Young did a ton in Game Two against Milwaukee, turning over the basketball uh, a, compl- a whole nine times. Uh, and was and was responsible for uh, the nine nine out of the nineteen turnovers that the Hawks had were at the fault of Trey Young. So, gonna have a bad night. Gonna have a down night. Get that. You accept that. You understand that. He's had a phenomenal season. You can't complain if you're a, if you're an Atlanta Hawk fan. All you hope is that they essentially, like I said last segment, throw the game tape in the trash or down the toilet, so to speak. You bury the game ball is what Belichick. I think that's what Belichick did when the Patriots um, were bl- were blown out against Buffalo. I think it was either the 2003 or the 2004 season. 
where they got blown out, where they got blown out by Buffalo early on in the season. And Bill Belichick, the great, and this was why he's a great Hall of Fame coach, the greatest, uh, greatest NFL coach of all time. He take he takes a game ball, he takes a game ball from that uh, from that Bill game, digs a hole, digs a hole in one of the Patriots practice fields uh, up there in Foxborough, takes the ball. It throws the ball into the hole that he dug and and bury and buries the game ball and says, "Look, that game is dead, buried, and gone. This is not who we are as a team. This is not who we are going to become as a team. We're better than this. We had a bad game all the way around. Everyone was pathetic. Everyone played played poorly. We're it's over and done with now. We bury the game. We throw the game away. On to the next one, and that's essentially what the Atlanta Hawks have to do with this one." Bury the game ball, so to speak. Don't bother with the game film because you don't make because you don't make it to the wet. You and it's the same thing. And throw a little hockey in there for you. It's the same thing when the Islanders got destroyed. And I believe it was game. I believe it was game five. Yeah, game five of their series against the Tampa Bay Lightning when it got absolutely destroyed by the final score of eight to nothing. You know, you don't make it to the conference. You don't make it to the conference finals. Or you don't make it to the conference finals, you know, on the brink of playing for an NHL or NBA championship. You know, when when you when you play a game where you get destroyed eight nothing in in a hockey, or you lose a game by thirty four points one twenty five ninety one in a game in a game two of the Eastern Conference Finals in the NBA, you don't make it this far if 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 you take that one game. And you pin it as as essentially a microcosm of what that team is because the Atlanta Hawks are better than one twenty five ninety one and the and the and the New York Islanders. Granted, they lost uh, Game Seven uh, the other night. They were better, which which proves why they didn't lose in Game Six because they won in Game Six to tie the series up in Game Three to force a Game Seven. You don't make it that far, you know, if if your mo and if the and if your DNA of your team is getting beat. Eight to nothing on a night in night out basis. The the Atlanta Hawks are not playing in the Eastern Conference Finals in the NBA Final Four, you know, because because they do nothing but lose games by thirty four points and going and going to halftime down down a down a few dozen. That's not how the Atlanta Hawks are, and that's not who they've been throughout this entire season. So you got to throw the game tape away, throw it in the trash, not not ignore it, but just don't ponder over it, don't get it, don't let it to seep around in your brain and, and allow it to to manifest itself in your psyche. Throw it out, get rid of it, flush it down the toilet. That game's over and done with now. Still plenty of series left. It's only game two, tied at one game. Of, the series is time, tied at one game apiece. Anything can happen. On to the next one. Trey Young, too great of a player for him to turn over the basketball nine times and score fifteen points, one of eight from three, and six of sixteen from the field. Devin Booker, too great of a player to have. I think he was like two of seven or something like that from the or one of seven. Uh, from the field, uh, or excuse me, from three as well, and turning over the basketball left and right and got into foul trouble. Those two guys are two great of uh, young talents on their respective teams for their performances the last uh, two nights, Thursday and Friday nights of them respectively, for th- for them to essentially allow that bad performance to manifest in their brain and th- and throw them off, and for them to say to themselves, you know, behind closed doors, to say to themselves. 
man, I'm not a good player because that's just not the case. Sometimes you just don't have it, and sometimes you are going to have a bad game. All there is to it. It's a part of sports. Part of sports. The, the, even the great ones have a, have a rough night and have a rough day at the office. So, you know, if you're Atlanta Hawks, you throw that game in the trash and you look forward to and you make sure that you, you know, take a 2-1 series lead and you and you right your wrongs when you when the series heads back to Atlanta on a Sunday night. And that's essentially all you can do. And as far as Milwaukee is concerned, keep up that phenomenal performance that they had the other night and just and just strike while the iron is hot and and get the Hawks down where you like them and have them face a little bit of that adversity. They're a young they're a young team, very inexperienced, haven't been there, haven't been there and haven't been in that uh, uh form haven't been in that situation uh before. You you strike on it, you take and you take advantage of it. And you do that, you could find yourself in the NBA finals. So from a from a Milwaukee standpoint, you make sure that you, you make sure that the that the Hawks face as much adversity as they possibly can in this series, and you get Trey Young, and you get the Atlanta Hawks off their game. Why you have them down? Why you have them down in the dumps? Because because when it's all said and done, it's going to come down to what team has the experience? What team has the mental toughness? And the team that's been in those situations and has played in conference finals before, a la Milwaukee. It's the 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 momentum is going to and the and the and the odds of them winning the series are going to lean in their favor because they have that experience and and because they have that experience that the Atlanta Hawks, no disrespect to them, do not have. So if you're Milwaukee. Keep Atlanta down while you have them, and if you're Atlanta, throw this throw game two in the trash. You got a there's a lot of series and there's a lot of games left in this series for you to right your wrongs and for you to do a complete and and do a complete 180 of how you played on Friday night and get this series and, and get this series back uh, and back to uh, your advantage being and have a chance of going up two games to one. Uh, against uh, Milwaukee on at the end of uh, sa- uh, Sunday night when it's all said and done. So throw it in the trash if you're Atlanta. On to the next one. You're Milwaukee. Keep Atlanta down while you have them and make them face as much adversity continuously as you possibly can. That's where you stand. As far as the NBA Final Four and the conference, fi- the conference finals are concerned, we get to a little bit of baseball for a change. And no, I'm not talking about the Baltimore Orioles either. We'll talk some baseball. This is the Amtelic Tears Podcast. Don't go anywhere. Back after this.
Welcome back to the I'm Teleki T.I.S. podcast. That's a classic right there. If you are a 2000s kid, you can. there was not a time in your life growing up where that song was not on repeat and wasn't your jam. But we'll switch gears from the NBA hardwood to some baseball. And outside, which, you know, for the last month and a half, almost two months, all we've talked about Essentially, is NBA basketball, my Bengals, my Bengals being pathetic, my Bengals, my Orioles being pathetic, and the sheeting scenario as far as the sticky substances with baseball. We haven't really talked about what's going on on the field outside of my Baltimore Orioles, but we will here. Uh, we'll do two pronged attack. We'll do the three American League teams that are uh, playing good ball recently. Then we'll take a break and. And talk of three National League teams that have been playing ball, uh, playing good baseball recently uh, to close out the program. But first, we will begin with the we'll do three teams: the Astros, Yankees, and Rays. We'll do the Astros first, um, who got to give them plenty of credit. They've played well. They've you know they've given plenty of credit. They've played well. They were riding. They were riding a nine game. They were riding a nine game win streak. They've won a nine or not nine game. Uh, let me make sure I get. They've won nine out of the last ten. I think their win streak probably goes a little longer than nine, because um, I know they came in. They came into Baltimore uh, this past week and absolutely whooped the crap out of my Baltimore. So let's count them: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 11. So they were riding an 11 game. They were riding an 11 game. They are right, in, right now at the time of this recording in the middle of a double header with the Detroit Tigers. They're in Detroit playing the Tigers this weekend, but they were riding an 11 game win streak heading into this weekend. They've won. Uh, they've won 11 out of their last 12 and have played absolutely phenomenal baseball. Give them, give them and Dusty Baker. What? And I like Dusty Baker, but again with the Astros, with the whole cheating scenario, there that's that's going to tarnish the. Uh, that's going to tarnish their reputation with baseball fans for the rest of time. Um, at least, uh, at least under this current uh, regime, until like you know 2045, where like all the people from the 2017 Astros, you know, are retired and, and they're completely out of the picture, but uh, and different ownership and everything else. But uh, give them credit; they've played absolutely phenomenal baseball. Now, outside of outside of the series with um, outside of the, the three game series that they played with the White Sox. You know their their three game uh, home stand, the three game uh, that they played at home against the White Sox. They've had I gotta be fair, and you know, and, uh, the captain foul this uh, this uh, Astros fan on Twitter. You know, lo- talks you know loves talking and 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 uh, likes to rub the nose in, uh, especially me, the Orioles fan, of how well his Astros are playing. Take it easy. It is June. You didn't win a championship yet. Your you you guys' goal 
uh, now that the cheating scandal is every and all everything's out the door, Springer's out the door. Y'all's goal is to win is to win a World Series, not to you know not to not a three game sweep against the pathetic, decrepit, lousy, embarrassing, and putrid Baltimore Orioles. I mean, and it, it and it is June. It is June. Let's be fair. It is June. But outside of them sweeping the White Sox, which were at the time the best team in the American League, and have been playing phenomenal baseball the first half of the season, uh, so far they had not. They have not been playing, you know, uh, premier top tier American League talent. The win streak began uh, the thirteenth of June uh, when they beat the Twins, who are dead man walking. They're finished. Their season's over. They're done. They're dead. They're See you next season, uh, and then of course two games against the Rangers, uh, against the Rangers who are not good. Uh, outside of the White Sox, they played well the four games against the White Sox. I grant you that, but game against the Twins, two wins against the Rangers who stink, uh, and then of course the Orioles are have been uh, have been uh, cellar dwellers since the 2016. Uh, since 2016 season, and you're playing Detroit, who, w- with your old manager at the helm, A.J. Hinch, uh, newsflash, they also stink. So, you know, they played well, give them all the credit in the world, but I'm not going to essentially throw them a parade and throw bouquets for the Houston Astros because they're beating up on the Detroit Tigers, the Minnesota Twins, the Texas Rangers, and the Baltimore Orioles, okay? Let's take it easy, you know? And their schedule gets, uh, you know, the schedule gets easy because after they go to Detroit, they come right back. They come home to play the, they come home to play the, or- they come home to play the Orioles. And then they start playing a little bit more competitive teams, the Indians, the the A's and then the Yankees to close out uh, the first half of the season. They get the All Star break and then you get the White Sox and Ian. So you get the see they'll play a little bit. They'll play more competitive teams and play a little bit more major league quality baseball uh, to uh, to begin the month of July and to close out the first half of the season. But gotta be fair, you know the the Rangers, Twins, and Orioles not anything to write home about. Uh, just being honest, but give them credit for putting together an eleven game win streak, something that's incredibly uh, hard to do in Major League Baseball today in two thousand twenty one. So give them credit. Give uh, give Dusty Baker credit. Give uh, Jose Altuve and uh, much my chagrin credit. Uh, give uh, give the give their pitching staff credit. They des- they deserve some. Uh, they deserve a couple of pats on the back for having an eleven game win streak. And are sitting right now at forty-seven and twenty-nine, and in first place, up two games in the American League West, and that eleven-game win streak that they were on until they lost Game One of their uh, doubleheader against Detroit by the final score of three to one earlier this afternoon. A uh, team number two that we want to talk about here today in the American League is that is the New York Yankees. The New York Yankees right now sitting, you know, who have fumbled and have bumbled and have stumbled their way throughout the entire first half. Uh, you know, the sky was falling in late April as the calendar turned to May when they were just around 500 and had and had split a series. Split a, that's not, and I'm not, you know, this is not me being, this is not me misspeaking. When they split a, when they split a four-game series when they came to Baltimore at the end of April, where Matt Harvey, who hasn't had an excellent start since then, uh, absolutely dominated, absolutely dominated them uh, that Monday, that, uh, that Monday night, 
You had Aaron Judge with a base running blunder, which cost them as well. They come, they win, the, they win games two and three back to back, only for game four, where the Orioles. I remember that game where the Orioles played absolutely phenomenal baseball. They had the Yankees on the ropes, only for the Yankees to do what the Yankees do, which is granted when you have all that talent up and down your up and down your lineup. They come back, they hit off of Cesar Valdez, our closer who stinks, or former closer. I don't even know. I haven't, you know. Try to pay. I try to not give the Orioles as much time a day as I regularly do because if I do, I'll go crazy. But you know, he allowed. I forget who it was. It was one of their big boppers in the lineup. It might have. It was either Judge or Stanton. Hit a hit a game tying double into the gap. Uh, to uh, to tie the, to tie the game up. The Orioles end up. The game goes into extra innings. And the Orioles win the game on a walk-off sacrifice fly uh, in ten innings, and then and end up sweet and end up taking, not taking, but uh, splitting that series at two game at two games apiece. And if you look at how, and if you look at how the Yankees have done since that since that series uh, in late April, uh, they have they you know they took they took they swept the they swept the Detroit Tigers, took two of three from Houston. Took two of three from Washington on Mother's Day weekend. Took two of three from Tampa, who they've who they've been uh, who they've been their doormat for the last uh, few seasons or so. Uh, you know they take two of three. They take two of three from the Orioles uh, in mid-May. Uh, they they take three of four from Texas. They had to throw in the Corey Kluber no hitter. They sweep the they sweep the Chicago White Sox uh, at home. Uh, and then the double, and then in the double header, you know, they have a double header against the Toronto Blue Jays when they come home. They lose two, they lose two of three to Toronto in mid-May, or excuse me, in late May. They get swept by the lowly Detroit Tigers on the road, which was a pathetic series. They uh, take two of three from Tampa, or excuse me, they split Tampa. Same thing with the Orioles. They lose, they lose the front. And they lose. They lose the first and the last game of the series against Tampa. They take the two middle games uh, in between. They get swept by Boston at Yankee Stadium to begin the month of June. They take two or three from the lowly Minnesota Twins and Chapman, uh, blow and Chapman blowing the final game of that series, uh, giving up a walk off home run, uh, allowing a game-tying home run, I believe it was to Josh Donaldson, and then Nelson Cruz came right behind him and hit a walk-off home run off of Chapman on uh, June the 10th on a Thursday. They they lose it. They get swept in a two short game series on the road against the against the Philadelphia Phillies. They sweep the Toronto Blue Jays when they go when they uh, when they play them uh, once again. Take two of three from Oakland, two of three from Kansas City earlier this week. A couple of gutty walk off wins on the on the, on the part of uh, on the part of the New York Yankees, and then they lose game one of a three game weekend series up at Fenway. A quick three game road trip. Then they're back home uh, to begin the month of uh, to begin the month to close out the month of June into July when they play the Angels for a four game series, and then of course the Subway Series against the Mets on Fourth of July weekend next week but right now they're right they're on the midst of a of a current short three-game road trip up at Fenway Park to take on the Boston Red Sox they lost they lost game one of that series five to three last night 
uh, Domingo Herman, who has been the Yankees, arguably their worst starting pitcher in their rotation, came in, four innings pitch, gave up five hits, four runs, three three of them earned a walk and walked the batter, only went four, only went four innings. Uh, and then Zach Britton comes in, tears up, uh, tears up his leg, gives up a gives up a run, uh, gives up a run and a walk in his uh in his one third of inning in relief, and the Red Sox take care of business with a large part of a three run of a three run uh, first inning, and it basically is all she wrote uh, in the Boston Yankee game on fri on the Boston Yankee game on Friday night. Uh, for whatever the reason, Glaber Torres cannot hit. Uh, he went over. He went over four on Friday night, and recently is in the midst of a slump. He's hitting two forty two this season, three runs, twenty three RBIs, uh, with a six forty four OPS. And the in his last seven games, he's in the last seven games he's hitting o forty three. Uh, he is one. He is one for his last twenty three at bats. Three has drawn three walks, struck out eleven times. The last fifteen games he's hitting. Just one fifty-eight, nine of his last fifty-seven with an RB with an RB guy drawing seven walks and sixteen strikeouts and one stolen base with a slugging percentage of one ninety-three and an on-base percentage of two fifty. Uh, so Glaber Torres, their young, uh, their young uh, shortstop, has not hit whatsoever in his last uh, fifteen in his last fifteen to thirty games. He or excuse me, his last seven to fifteen games, he has not hit. Uh, whatsoever. Uh, Judge is hitting 282. He'll be an all-star. He went 0 for Friday night, but who himself has played quite decent, who has played quite uh, decently as of late, hitting 286 in his last uh, seven games with a home run and th- with a home run and three RBIs uh, for Aaron Judge. And then Stanton, who's hitting, who's picked it up and has stayed healthy for a change as well. He's played pretty decent. Has been hitting the cover off the ball in the last 15 games. He's he's 16 for his last 48. That goes out to a 3.33 batting average with four home runs, 13 RBIs, drawn 12 uh, drawn 12 walks with a 4.59 on base percentage and a 6.04 slugging percentage for Stanton. Uh, and then of course, uh, and then of course, you know, Andujar hitting 260 this season. Brett Gardner still cannot hit. Uh, and then Luke Vo- and then Luke Voigt hitting two thirty this season uh, as of late with three home runs, six RBIs. Finally starting to you know uh, who's been injured uh, the majority of the first half of the season. He's hitting two eighty six with two home runs and three RBIs in his last uh, seven games for the Bombers. So if you're the New York Yankees, you know you had a rough stretch. You played pretty decent baseball. You had that rough stretch. To begin the month, to begin the month of, uh, to begin the month of June, where you where you split Tampa, when you split Tampa on the road and got swept, uh, and you got swept by uh, Boston, lost a tough one in the, you took two of three from Minnesota, but you lost a tough one when you had a chance to get the sweep uh, on the tenth of June, and you got swept in a two quick weekend series on the 12th and 13th against Philadelphia. So if you're the Yankees, you know, who've kind of been up and down this entire season, as of the last month and a half, they've had, in my eyes, they've had more highs than they have had lows. 
But the New York Yankees are a team, you know, as you're sitting here at the, you know, closing in on the end of uh, on the end of June, hanging into July, where, you know, where it's you know, put up a shut up time when you're these contending teams or a team that's supposed to be contending that's, you know, that's sitting on the brink of, uh, you know, where buyers or sellers essentially at the deadline. You know, it's put up a shut-up time for the for the Yankees. They got this weekend series against Boston. Then they come home and play the Angels. Uh, and then they play the Mets. And then they go on the road and play Seattle and Houston before they close out the, the All-Star break. And then they play the White. And then they play the Red Sox again to begin the second half of the season. And then Philadelphia. And then go back out on the road to play Boston. And then play Tampa and Miami to close out the month of July. But put up a shut-up time for the New York Yankees. I personally do not think, nor are they, and just I, do, I don't think that the New York Yankees are the best team in the American League. Uh, you know, they're, they're, you know they're, they're a competitive team. You give them that, they compete, and, they, you know, and, they're, and they're in, and they're in every game, you know, for the most part, every single night. So they're not, they're not an unwatchable team. But you cannot sit up here and tell me watching this team on a night in night out basis at this point in the season that this team is going to make a lot of noise uh, once they get into the postseason uh, come October. You know this the, the New York Yankees who have gone who have gone eleven seasons right eleven seasons without a championship. You know these are New York Yankees now have gone eleven seasons without a World Series appearance slash championship. Making the playoffs is not good enough. It's good enough if you're the Tampa. It's good enough if you're the Tampa Bay Rays of the world, or the, or the, uh, or the Oakland A's of the world, or or if you are the Chicago White Sox of the world, that's good enough. Or if you're, or if you're the uh, Cleveland Indians who have cut payroll and still have found and and who have still found a way to be only two games out of first place in the American League Central. That you know, you you'll take make it make it into the dance and being and playing October baseball when it's all said and done. Not the New York Yankees, and there's nothing that I have seen from them at all this season that this team is going to make any sort of noise when they make it when they make it into playing October baseball. This is a team I to be quite honest with you, they're sitting at they're sitting at forty and thirty five, five games above five hundred. Uh, me personally, I see this team. To be quite honest with you, I see this team going eighty-eight and seventy-four. I do not see. I see if they win ninety games, they win no more than ninety-three. This is going to be an eighty-eight seventy-four win team. It's going to get the second wild card spot, and it's really going to have to scratch and scratch and claw and fight their way if they want any chance of getting that twenty-eighth World Series championship. They're a good. They're a good team. Compared to you know the Baltimore Orioles and compared to the Orioles and compared to the Tigers and compared to the compared to the Minnesota Twins compared to the Toronto Blue Jays compared to the Texas Rangers of the world, but you don't. But your goal is not to be better than those teams I just mentioned. Your goal is to play is to be a World Series is to be a World Series competing team that's going to go out there and win 95 plus games every single season and look to, and look to win division titles. It doesn't look like unless something drastic happens where Tampa falls apart, Boston comes back down and Boston comes back right back down to earth. There's not a scenario that I can envision where the New York Yankees are going to turn it on between now and October and 
take over the American League East and jump in the first place and and coast into the postseason uh, with an uh, with an another AL East championship underneath their belt. Their best bet to make a run in the postseason is play that wild card game uh, on the road, most likely against um, most likely, and they're four and a half games out of the second spot. Oakland holds the se- holds the second spot uh, in the for the second wild card. So their best bet. It's to you know play a wild card game against the Red Sox or against Cleveland or against Oakland and and take their chances from there. But the New York Yankees, who have had a very marginal season, very a very meh, very bleh, very average season for for Yankee standards, a very you know as an Orioles fan, I would kill for forty and thirty five five and playing five thirty three baseball at the back end of the month of June. I'd kill for that right now. But Yankees have a little bit of different standards, which is why they're the New York they're the New York freaking Yankees. So you know, they've been playing very marginal and very average baseball and I really do not see them making a whole lot of noise um come October when it's all said and done. And they got to prove to them, they got to prove to themselves, they got to prove to their fans, they got to prove to people like me, the prognosticators, otherwise that they that they deserve to be in the mix as far as uh, Chicago, Houston, and Tampa is concerned as the American League's best team uh, as a World Series contender for 2021. Uh, and then the final team is the Tampa Bay Rays who have played phenomenal baseball. They've lost... You know they were flying high uh, in the in the early parts of the month of June. They've come right back down right back down to earth. They're riding a three game win streak, but they've lost uh, but they've lost seven out of the last ten. They're forty six and thirty one in first place, ahead of Boston by a half a game uh, by a half a game in the American League East division. They right now, if you go ahead and head and look at who they've played, they've played absolutely phenomenal. You know. Uh, throughout the month of June, they sh- they started off June rocky. Uh, they started off June rocky again. They split the series against the Yankees, took two of three from Texas. Uh, split the- split two games against Washington. Came into Baltimore and swept the Orioles. Lost lost two of three to Chicago. Uh, got s- got swept shockingly in a four game weekend series on the road against Seattle. Took two of three against Boston. Took the uh, game one of a three-game weekend series set against the Angels four to three, um, and right now they are uh, in the midst of a three-game weekend series playing game two right now against the Angels. They go on the road to play Washington in Washington, then they go up to Buffalo to play Toronto for a three-game uh, weekend set, uh, July fourth weekend. Play Cleveland, uh, come back home and play Cleveland and Toronto to close out the first half. But the Toronto, but the Tampa Bay Rays, you know, a team that gets a, that does more with less, arguably in my mind, more than the Oakland A's do. They do, they accomplish more with less than anybody in the sport. Their payroll, you know, is what it is. They can't draw flies. They are not a factor and are not a blip on a Tampa Bay, or excuse me, the Tampa. Uh, sports market. It's Buccaneers with Brady and the Tampa Bay Lightning getting back to another Stanley Cup final, and that is it. And then you know it's and it's you, you know you pick pick and choose your college football team, and that and that's where you have it. Other than that, it's a bunch of transplants that move down to Tampa from other cities that have their own rooting interests. You know the Yankee fan, you know that lived in New York for you know uh, you know lived in New York for forty plus years that lived that that lived. 
lives and breathes New York sports, but moves down to Tampa so they don't have to deal with the harsh and brutal uh, New York City winters. But which is a prime example uh, with their with the with the New York Yankees. Although they've beaten up on the Yankees in years past, you know the Yan the Yankees acts. I mean, this just goes to prove how much the Yankees of the excuse the expression, swing swing and walk around and swing their Johnson all over the place because of the fact, I mean, the Yankees, the Yankees practice facility, not Yankees, the Yankees spring training facility is in, is in the city of Tampa, right? I mean, you could, you could see Raymond James Stadium from the, from the Yankees spring training facility. The Tampa Bay race city that represents the city of Tampa plays in, plays in a suburb of St. Petersburg. Meanwhile, the New York Yankees just walk around all over the place because again, they're the big bad New York Yankees. They ha their their spring training facility is in the the city limits of the city of Tampa, but it doesn't seem to bother the Rays because they have just played absolutely phenomenal ball this season. Their spring their uh, their starting pitching is off. Their starting pitching is absolutely off the charts. You go back. You go back and look. Uh, as far as as far as team totals is concerned, the Tampa these go back and look at the pitching as for in the American League. Let's do the American League first, if I can pull it up properly. Uh, they they lead the ERA in the American League and they lead the ER they lead the American League in ERA with a three point three six team ERA. Um, they are second in the American League in wins with forty six. Um, they are second in the American League in strikeouts, seven hundred forty-three strikeouts so far this season. Uh, they lead the American League in WHIP and are second in the American League, or excuse me, tied for first with Boston with twenty-three saves in the American League. First in innings pitched with a seven hundred eight innings pitch, and have absolutely played phenomenal and have played phenomenal uh, baseball. And that's essentially what gets it done for the Tampa Bay Rays. They can pitch. They got a hell of a bullpen. And the starting pitchers gives them what gives them as much as they can handle, and they allow their bullpen to do the rest. So you have the Rays sitting in first place in the American League East. The Yankees are about a few spots behind them, trying to chase them in the American League East as well. That I think are going to finish no better than you know winning 87, 88, 89, 90, 91, 92, 93 games this year. And then of course you have the Houston Astros who are flying high. Albeit against weak opponents, but who are flying high as we close uh, as we close the month the uh, what the third month of the 2021 MLB season. Take a break. We'll get to the National League to close out the program. Back after this. Welcome back to the music. Jeez. Welcome back to the Amazon and TIS podcast. Switching gears now for the American League to the National League as we close out this program here on this Saturday show. 
Um, and the three teams we will discuss here in this segment is the San Diego Padres, San Francisco Giants, and the Washington Nationals. And we will begin with the San Diego Padres first, who hit a bit of a rough, who have hit, a, who hit a little bit of a rough stretch uh, earlier in the month of June. Uh, you go back to the beginning of the, you go back to the beginning of the month of uh, you go back to the beginning of the month of June they had riding a they were coming into the month riding a four game losing streak uh lost the last game of their weekend series to the to the Astros got swept by the Cubs uh took two of three from the, took uh split the series split a series with the Mets lost two out of three to the Cubs again uh lost two out of three to the Mets got swept by the Colorado Rockies and then and then they haven't looked back since Swept swept the Cincinnati Reds at home, swept the Dodgers at home earlier this week, and won the game against the Arizona Diamondbacks, who still cannot win a road game about uh, a score of eleven to five. So they've had a rough they've had a rough stretch in the month of June. Uh but since June the seventeenth when they played the Cincinnati Reds on a Thursday at home, they have not looked back since. They are currently riding a Seven, uh, no, excuse me, an eight-game win. They are currently riding an eight-game winning streak, heading into, heading into their game tonight against the Diamondbacks. Uh, Tatis had a had his first three homer had a three homer game the other night. He has played absolutely absolutely phenomenal off the off the freaking charts. You go back, uh, you go back as far as the National League and batting is concerned. Uh, Fernando Tatis leads. Uh, leads the Amer- excuse me leads the National League in home runs with 25. He's got 25 home runs on a year. Also leads the National League in RBIs with 50 with uh, 54 RBIs and leads the National League in slugging and OPS uh, OPS with 1.076 and slugging percentage. He leads the National League in 702. As a matter of fact, if you go and look at how Tatis has done this season, absolutely phenomenal. OPS of 1.076, two, batting 293. 25 home runs, 54 RBIs, 15 stolen bases, and in his last seven games, he's been absolutely off the charts, hitting 417. That's a 10 of 20, 10 out of his last 24 at bats, four home runs, six RBIs, drawn six walks, and two stolen bases. Uh, had a phenomenal game, of course, the other night. Uh, went four for five with went four for five with three home runs and four RBIs against the Arizona Diamondbacks on. Friday night as the San Diego Padres have played absolutely out of their mind in the second half of the month of June. They are currently sitting uh currently sitting in third place in the NL West, four and a half games back of the San Francisco Giants, which we'll get to in, in a minute. Uh, at forty six and thirty two in the national in the National League West, they currently hold the second wild card spot in the National League. The Dodgers hold the first. Uh, and if the postseason were to end today, you'd have three teams out of the National League West uh, make the playoffs. Giants win the division. The, the Dodgers and the Padres make the playoffs, both as wild card teams. Uh, as the San Diego Padres have just been playing absolutely out of their mind. Tatis, Machado. They've pitched pretty decently, bullpen, whole nine yards. The San Diego Padres have come alive in the second half of the month of June and uh, what was the, their first little sign of adversity uh, of the season so far with a spotty uh, first uh, few weeks of the month of June as they have uh, not looked back since that series against the 
Cincinnati Reds about a week or so ago. Team number two, and that is the San Francisco Giants, who, who to everybody's surprise, has had a phenomenal first half of the season thus far. They are currently, uh, as we stick with the NL West, they're sitting in first place, like I said, up four and a half games in front of the Dodgers and the Padres at 49 at 49 and 26 they've won nine out of their last 10 riding a current four game win streak they have they have absolutely been phenomenal off the freaking charts uh the san francisco giants have been much to everybody's surprise you know this would figure you know it's, it's time you know and no franchise looks forward to it you know rebuilding time when you've when you've won when you had that dynasty uh in the 2010s winning in 2010 12 and of course, 2014. So you know you what you, you you know. So you wouldn't. You were like, all right. Well, every franchise has to go through with it. But uh, what can you do? While the San Francisco Giants have said to hell with that. We're you know why not try to make the postseason a year with which you're in in a year in which you're expected to rebuild. Kevin Gosman, as if Payne as an Orioles fan, you know can't get any higher. How about Kevin Gosman, the old. Uh, Baltimore Orioles starting pitcher uh, has absolutely had the season of his career thus far. He's eight and one in fifteen of in fifteen of his starts with a team leading one point four nine, uh, with a one point four nine ERA. Uh, Anthony Disclafani also has pitched well. He's eight and two of his fifteen starts with a two point seven seven uh, ERA. Uh, Gossman leads the team in strike. It leads the team in strikeouts. Whip. Uh, opponent batting average at 157, giving them uh, 96 and two thirds innings pitched uh, for the Giants this season. Disco Funny also has had two complete games on the part of the Giants. Meanwhile, you go back and you look at how they're hitting. They're hitting the cup. They're doing pretty decent hitting the baseball. Brandon Crawford leading the team in batting average, 255, uh, hitting 255 with 16 home runs and 50 RBIs and five stolen bases, uh, and leading also leading the team also in runs, uh, on base percentage, slugging, OPS. While Buster Posey, uh, the great Hall of Fame catcher, soon to be, is leading the team in hits. Uh, just an absolutely phenomenal job, phenomenal job by the San Francisco Giants, and they're staying competitive because their pitching is so well. Like again, they're the team with the the guy on the team with the highest batting average. You know, Cedric. I mean, Cedric Mullins of my Orioles is hitting is leading is leading the Orioles in batting average with the he's he's hitting three twelve. Ryan Mountcastle for my Orioles is hitting two sixty three. Brandon, not Brandon, yeah, Brandon, no, nah, I was going to say Brandon Belt. Brandon Crawford is leading the team in, is leading the team in batting average at 255. And the San Francisco Giants are in first place because of the fact their pitching has just been absolutely off the charts. Gosman, you know, where was this when he was playing for my Orioles all those years, of, you know, all those years in the 2010s? Well, where was this, Kevin? I mean, my goodness gracious me. I understand that uh, Oracle Park, formerly known as AT&T, is a pitcher's park and Oriole Park at Camden Yards is a freaking bandbox, especially during the summer months. But gee whiz, man, where was where was this when you were wearing, when you were wearing the Orioles orange and black, not the San Francisco giant orange and black, but... He's, God bless him, he's done an absolutely phenomenal job for San Francisco, and the Giants have had a phenomenal season. Let's see if they can sustain it, and uh, if let's see if they can, can sustain it and hold on and uh, and make some noise and get get into, and if they do, make some noise 
in the 2021 postseason. They're going to have to have a hell of a second half and not collapse and fold up like a cheap suit in the second half in order for them to prove to me and everybody else that they are here to stay and they can be a team to make some noise in the 2021 uh, MLB postseason. Team number three is the Washington Nationals, who, granted, might not make the postseason. There are two games under 500 at 30, at 36 and 38, four and a half games back in the Mets. They've won seven out of their last ten. Uh, Kyle Schwarber is hitting the freaking cover off the ball. He is leading. He is no, not leading. Vlad Guerrero Jr. is leading. He is he is second in the National League, one behind Tatis Jr. in the National League in home runs. He is fourth in all of baseball with uh, with twenty two home runs this season. He has he has definitely carried the weight. Uh, for the Washington Nationals, who are a team that has played inconsistent, been very spotty, but they've won seven out of the last ten. They're playing good ball as of late. Uh, Schwarber has a lot to do with that, you know. And when you're team two years removed from uh, two years removed from being a World Series champion, you know, all you can ask for is your team to be competitive and to be worth watching on a year in year out basis. When you know you finally, when you were competitive for all those years in a row from 2012 to 2019 during that seven, eight year period, you lose Bryce Harper. You finally reach the pinnacle of you being of you being in the postseason year after year after year, and getting over that hurdle and getting over that hump. All you can ask for is for your team to be competitive, watchable, and to and to have a, a few stretch here and a few nice stretches during the season here and there where you're playing competitive uh and uh, win- and winning baseball and you have and you have a couple of players that are getting the national headlines within the sport such as Schwarber who has hit the cover who has hit the cover off of the ball uh within the last you know, within the last week or two for the Washington Nationals but i mean hey you, i mean I mean, what what can you do? You know, you had. You know, what can you do? You can't. You know, you couldn't bring back Rendon. You know, you couldn't bring. You had a choice. You could either sign Rendon to Strasburg. You, you wasn't going to be able to bring 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 them back. On top of the fact that you still have Scherzer's contract that's on the books, but if you're a Washington Nationals fan, you can't complain. You just got to hope that the rebuild goes as smoothly, if you want to call it that goes as smoothly as you as you, as it possibly can. You do have a World Series championship from a two short years ago, the last hundred, the last full 162 regular normal MLB season uh was just a uh, was just a few short years ago. So you can't complain, but the Nationals have been playing good ball. Kyle Schwarber is a big part is a big reason and is a big part of that. So we give the Washington Nationals their due and how they are playing. Uh, as of late, to close out the month of June. Speaking of the month of June, that is your last episode of the Until I Can Tell You This podcast for the month of June. Next time I will talk to you guys will be what? We will be looking at, I believe, is it July the 1st? I think it's the next episode. Uh, Wednesday is July the 1st. No, we still get one more episode in the month of June. That's Wednesday. Uh, June the 30th. If you're new to the program, like what you heard, please subscribe, follow your boy on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield. I will talk to you on that Wednesday. Y'all stay safe. Y'all take care. See ya.